0: Heavenly Features is brought to you by 18 Maiden Lane Productions.
1: Hello and welcome to Heavenly Features, a weekly podcast where myself, Sophie and my friend Kim. Hey, how's it going? uh, Talk each week about movies. Yeah, so uh,
0: last week obviously was my choice. So this week uh, we are going to have one of Soph's picks. So Soph, what was the film you chose this week?
1: So this week I recommended uh, 1995's The Waterman* and Woman which was written, directed, and starred Cheryl Dunye. Which, first of all, can I just say, how bloody talented are they? Yes. Um, The film centres on Cheryl, a young black lesbian filmmaker and video store employee who is obsessed with the Watermelon Woman, um, an early 20th century Hollywood actress. The film follows her search for information on this actress, unveiling the racism, homophobia, and sexism that minimise many people's Um, opportunities and experiences in the 20th century. Um, And it questions the voices that continue to speak over the experiences of marginalized people. Um, Alongside her research, Cheryl starts to draw her own conclusions about her own queer identity um, and the urgent need to recover the history of marginalized actors of the silver screen. Um, But I also really like this film because the film blends the rawness of Cheryl's own life and experiences with the implied glamour of the 1930s. Um, And I really like the way that this is done through um, uh, not just uh, the storyline, but also through uh, like visually through uh, the use of like handheld video camera style um, scenes, and then some of it uh, is like a more traditional movie. Um, image, so I kind of like that blend as well because it seemed really integral to her as a as a filmmaker um, and as that character. So um, this is a film that uh, I first watched last year, um, and uh, I really 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 enjoyed it, and I felt like it was one we had to talk about because I've never talked about it with you. I've never, uh, I don't even know if you'd seen it before.
0: Uh, no, this this was the first time I'd seen this film, and yeah, I. How fucking inspiring is this film <laughs> like I just yeah I I just loved it I just thought that the, the like I love documentaries and I love the docu style of it yeah it was so inspiring and so like just like she just went out and and did what she wanted yeah but also showed the journey of it of the not knowing what she wanted to do as a filmmaker not knowing what story she wanted to, to- tell but knowing that she had this voice that needed to be out there or or at least not even that like that she had a voice that she had something that she felt needed to be said and hoped that other people would want to hear it and and clearly they did and clearly it was an important thing to say and it's just so inspiring to have that from such like from someone who's in like marginalized communities yeah to stand up and actually say their piece is so important and I just yeah I thought this was I thought this was incredible.
1: Also one of the things that I, I really liked is obviously uh, this is from mid 90s but it's this kind of starting to reclaim um, history um, that perhaps has been whitewashed or has been um, silenced uh, or uh, people have forgotten about certain people because they weren't the big stars or whatever. And this is about someone looking really fucking deeply into history to try and find somebody who perhaps represents a little bit of what she is. So, um, the watermelon woman um, turns out to be um, an actress who was allegedly queer or had a queer relationship um, and uh, was obviously um, a black woman as well. Um, Unfortunately, minimised to only really playing mammy roles um, and uh, and yet Cheryl is, is looking at this and looking for an example of somebody who might be a little bit like her and how important that representation is to see that because even in the 90s even like all that year all those years later how many people on screen were there that were black and queer and well. she could maybe identify with
0: absolutely and i love i love the fact that it shows that whole like obviously you never know someone's sexuality from just looking at them really but the fact that she was just drawn to this person there was something mm. about this person that drew her in and then she discovered she was even more like her than she'd orig- originally thought because she's queer as well yeah and it's i've had that so many times myself where i've been like And I don't mean attracted as in like attracted, but like attracted to someone being like, oh, there's something about them that is just really drawing me in. And then I'm like, oh, they're queer. There we go.
1: There's like a vibe or a sense about something going on there.
0: Yeah. And I just with. And I, I, I don't think I've seen that on film ever before that someone has had that feeling about someone not not in a mm. sexual way not in a relationship way not in any sort of way other than just there's something about them
1: yeah there's some and kind then of bond yeah. yeah
0: like this shared experience even though you don't necessarily you're not even from the same time but there's this yeah. shared experience and you look at you just look at them and watch them and you're so deeply enthralled by them that you have this connection and then you find out oh it's queerness
1: yeah yeah i love that definitely. i love that and i think that uh the the way that her documentary i um, have kind of uh development of that documentary is shown is so kind of realistic in the way that if you were an amateur um filmmaker then 100% you could make this film um Or 100%, you know, the film that she makes in the movie, um, she could make, you know, you could make that as an an individual. It's very realistic and therefore very inspiring that anybody could pick up a camera and go, you know what, I'm going to pinpoint this and I'm going to explore this particular thing. Um, It just felt very relatable that all of us could do that. We could all pinpoint something in history or something we want to explore pick up a camera and make a film about it
0: and also the fact that she did this pre google i know like she just saw this working like the, the obviously the character in the film is working in a vhs store so mm. like basically like the equivalent of a blockbuster pre like pre dvd pre google yeah. pre like everything that we now use to research anything yeah. And so she just went out there. She just had the, the, the balls and the like drive to go out and travel around and find this information. And, I mean, her confidence alone, just
1: going in and asking mm. people. Well, because um, one of the things that I thought was um, really nostalgic for me was the fact that she worked in this VHS store. It was like a blockbuster-esque style place. Um, though I think more kind of homegrown in this neighbourhood that she lives and works in. But um, it was so nostalgic to me. And there is something about the treasure trove for VHS that was available. Um, because I've certainly noticed as we've gone more and more towards streaming, it's been harder and harder to get your hands on more obscure films. You're um, so right. So unless you pay like a million different subscriptions to things... You aren't going to get access to a lot of films, but even then, a lot of the rarer ones or the more niche ones, uh, particularly for this, because this a uh, lot of the films that she was looking at were what we would have what were called at the time race films, so films yes. that were only made for the black community. So really niche in terms of like what film historians have generally felt needed to be preserved and needed to be shared. Um, well, even
0: at the time like that, she was doing this. Yeah.
1: It was you hard see, for her to find. I see it.
0: her going into a library looking for information and they yeah. were like, Oh, have you looked in the black section?
1: Yes, but also like the only information they had was about the white director that had made that film. Not well, about of any of the people not about any of the people that had been starring in those films, not anything about the culture of the people that would have gone to see these race movies. Um, no. none of that was really explored apart and- from through that one man who was a little bit obsessed and
0: 100% nothing gay explored like there was not a oh you know these two were sleeping together or they were in a relationship it was just like here's a white director that's all we're gonna say
1: yeah because like when she finds out about her uh i can't remember what the watermelon woman's real name was meant to be so after that pause, I just had to look it up. Uh, the watermelon woman was, her real name was Faye Richards in the story. Uh, but anyway, it's not really, well, it is important actually, because, you know, the fact that her name wasn't even important enough to be written down in history. She was credited as the watermelon woman is, first of all, incredibly racist, but also um, significant in itself that she has somewhat been erased from film history.
0: Well, it just and... shows the whitewashing again.
1: Yeah, or what is seen as being important. But I like that the queer stuff came more from community, from the people who've been in those bars um, and seen her doing this singing. The people who knew her, who were friends with her, were the people who were more likely to be talking about the fact that she was queer or she'd had a queer relationship with somebody. Um, And yet, it's actually only uh, her... I want to say her sister, was it? Um, Or the film historian who were really kind of anti her having any kind of queer identity.
0: Oh, that was one thing. That was one thing I found. So the, the sister, yeah, you're right. The sister was refused to acknowledge her queer relationship, like point blank refused, like kicked them out when they brought up the queer relationship. And I, like, I've been looking, I've been reading a bit recently about, um, people sort of after death straight washing people because it popped up on my it popped up on my Twitter feed actually um, of this person who was non-binary who just passed away and their friend was saying how sad they are because their family were using their dead name and their like wrong gender Mm -hmm. uh, like wrong pronouns in the funeral service and how it just took away all of this part of them and how the family hadn't quite understood how important that part of them was Yeah, and it's because it's so true like the, as you were saying with the queer community like it's it's the community members that said about them being queer because it is such a huge thing for us like being queer is awesome being queer is is part of who you are so if you then die and someone remembers you as something other than what you are that's awful. That's heartbreaking for you and for the people that you've left behind.
1: Yeah, well, that's the dangerous thing is that unless you are somebody who has a loud enough voice or lives in a time where it's safe for you to shout your voice and live proudly, it's very easy. And even in those circumstances, potentially, it's very easy for you to be remembered by those who are left behind rather than who how, be remembered for how you actually were. And it depends on how the people left behind want to remember you as opposed to you know, maybe understanding more complex identity that you might have uh, compared to what they might want to kind of see you as. And that's kind of dangerous because even just that, even if it is not meant to be malicious in any way, like so perhaps it isn't anything like um, misgendering someone or anything like that, even if it is just that you are remembered for certain character traits It might, you know, there's a part of you that gets lost to history. There's a part of you that is not passed on. And when you add in issues of race, issues of gender, issues of sexism, all these issues, homophobia, how that all can kind of play into um, how people are remembered, that's why it's so difficult sometimes to get concrete evidence looking back at the past because things were hushed up and things were not talked about. Um and uh I've particularly found it interesting when um Cheryl uh is interviewing the film historian and she's talking about um the you know, this kind of possibility that Faye Richards was um queer. Mm. And I found it so interesting to hear someone who is very much at least portrayed as being um like a straight white woman commenting and even somewhat talking over uh the people from that community so black queer women who are saying this woman was queer and saying no she wasn't and trying to kind of state what the history should be how we should remember that person i thought that was really interesting as like a social commentary perhaps even Um, i don't know if this is what like the, the writer director, you know, what, what they wanted to actually achieve in this. Um, but I very much saw it as, you know, we still see this in society now, where we have certain people who choose to talk over other people's experiences um, and minimize them and try to have their narrative be the one that we remember, that we believe, that is the one that everybody knows, rather than listening to the people who are directly um, you know affected by um, or experience the, the issues you know at hand i don't know if that was what the intention was in that scene but i found that to be quite chilling that this is still something that is happening and it's being pointed out in this moment it's and it still goes on so
0: much like i i look at so many things through history where uh and obviously as you say it still goes on to this day but it, how it's it's been so straight washed that like these two women uh roommates and ro- take fucking emily dickinson for example and yeah. you, she's written, like, these beautiful sapphic poems. Yeah. And you, she's written about how she licked the envelope from a letter from Sue just to get the taste of her. And historians have gone, Sue, her sister-in-law slash best friend. <laughs>
1: I'm sorry. Something else is probably going on there.
0: I'm Cause... friends with a lot of women. And I would Wh- never, ever... I would never say to you, oh, I'm Soph, that letter say- you wrote, <laughs> I licked the fucking
1: envelope so I could taste you. The fuck? Because we, we don't, don't have that kind of relationship. Because we're not lovers. <laughs> like, exactly. Like, oh. it's just,
0: it's, it's this straight washing, like, getting rid of, of and it, it, in, like, that's an obvious one. Like, that's such an obvious one where you read that and you go, okay, they were in love. But there's ones where it's it's more obvious to the queer community as opposed to the straight community. And mm. yet our voices are not listened to in yeah. history because we oh, haven't definitely. had a voice. Definitely. And I think this film really brings that to light, not just with, with, with the queer community, but obviously with the black community as well. And as yep. much as I don't feel quite as able to speak on that because I want to raise black people's voices as opposed to speak on behalf of black people... It's something that this film does so well is show how we as a society have stripped away history from so many marginalised people.
1: It's also like how women as well are also minimised and like the misogyny and sexism in that. I thought like it's on the surface, this film, in many ways, is not really about a huge amount. It's about a woman who's just interested in an old actor. But when you look at what the conversations are that are being had and the issues that Cheryl runs into when she's doing her research, I think that it's there's so many conversations that can be expanded upon that are being highlighted in this moment that actually can be expanded and talked about for so many other things um, in history um, or in the community, even nowadays that we need to talk about. And I just thought it was so, that's what makes this film for me really impact, you know, powerful and impactful and made me keep thinking about it so much that I was like, yes, I only watched it last year, but I'm going to rewatch it again. And I'm going to be like, Kim, you need to watch this too. And oh, let's talk about
0: it. <laughs> absolutely. And it's it's one of those films that... So you watch it the first time and you're, you're watching it and you feel inspired or you feel whatever it makes you feel. Mm. Which for me was, I felt inspired. I felt empowered to use my voice. And I felt also... Like, it really showed me the, the, the history side of things in a way that, like, stuff that I already knew with regards to how we've been taken out of history. But it showed that you can, as one person, step up and use your voice. Mm. And and I just, so I, I took all of that from the film. And since I've watched that film, I have kept going back and thinking about how this one person stepped up and and both within the film, their character Cheryl mm. stepped up in the film yeah. and did it, and also Cheryl, the actual filmmaker, yes, stepped up and did this. It's just so like impactful that one person can turn around and change like your voice matters, representation matters speak up
1: yeah it's, it's, it, yeah, it highlights so many issues that need to be talked about. And I don't think what I find really interesting. I don't think Cheryl actually lets the queer community get away scot-free either when it comes to preserving our no. history. Because there's that scene where she goes to um, Clit. Clit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's this like fictional, like kind of library thing for queer history. But what I found really interesting was how it kind of was showing how cherry-picked even within the queer community there is for Um, whose history we get to remember. There's all these shells with all, uh, presumably with all the histories of um, white queer history. Yes. And then when it comes... And specifically
0: white, queer, cis men and women. Mainly men, but men and women.
1: Yeah. And then, um, no, it'd be more women, wouldn't it? Because isn't it the lesbian? Oh, the lesbian one, yeah. But I mean, in general. In general. But um, then when it comes to the black historical documents, they're in cardboard boxes and they are literally thrown on the table with all the content spilling out as if that history doesn't matter. Oh, the white yeah. stuff can all be on the, you know, specially preserved on these um, bookshelves. And although they're a voluntary organization and clearly don't have a lot of money, they take the time to preserve that history. But the black stuff, they're in cardboard boxes and we'll just throw them on the table.
0: It's it's so like it's such a great visual representation of it, and uh, like it really is shocking. Yeah. The moment she empties that box on the table, like it took my breath away, and I was like, "Be I, careful!" Yeah, I was like, "That's our history. Stop it." Um, but it's so true that we we do focus on certain aspects and we raise certain voices throughout yeah. history and it just shows and also the, the the fact that we have within the queer community so much infighting to yes. this day mm. it's so depressing it's so depressing <laughs> like we're a marginalized community we should support ourselves each other and other marginalized communities yes like and all of ju- us are fighting for equal rights and our voice at the fucking table and yet there's so much infighting that we, we lose sight of, of the important messages that we're trying to put forward.
1: And there's, like this, there's just this, this prioritizing of, of certain histories and treating them as being more important than others. Yes. And it's just like, but this is the whole point is that nobody remembers this person. And yet, you know, clearly there's loads of stuff here. There's loads of photos in those boxes. There was stuff yeah. there. People could write b- books about this. People could you know, talk about all the... God knows who else was it meant to be in those boxes um, who yeah. starred on the screen, who played those roles, whatever, you know, um, contributions they had to early cinema. And yet, doesn't matter. Marginalise, keep them in a box, who cares? Um, and also the fact
0: that there were so many people that she could go and talk to about this who remembered being there
1: in the class yeah. with these people. If anyone it, cared, like it, Cheryl yeah. does... There's so much wealth that could be found for this history to be recorded.
0: Uh, we have such a not. rich, incredible history. Like speaking purely as like a queer community, like we have such a rich, rich, incredible history, and so much of it is lost. And that is the same then for the black community. But then when you go black and queer, trying to find anything and about female. themselves and female, like <laughs> fuck, you're up against so many brick walls and cheryl just ran straight fucking through them yeah and found this incredible story about this incredible pioneer woman like she was so ahead of her time like she had an interracial lesbian relationship she was (laughs) on screen like she then played in clubs all around like philadelphia or wherever like yeah like she she like she went and she sung for people. She went and she was this incredible artist and no one gave her that platform. She took that platform. And yet we've, we've whitewashed it. We've gotten rid of that.
1: And also clearly a very talented person and how many opportunities were not given to her or not. She didn't have the opportunity to take those chances because of being who she was at that time in history. Um, You know, everybody remembers the white director nobody remembers the stars yeah. or like the, the the black stars of those films which and...
0: even then it's saying something that people remember
1: the white director considering the white director was female exactly well early cinema uh, i mean this is she's in the 1930s so by this point I, from my understanding less female directors but in the early films there were more female directors and then they kind of got pushed out that's my well... understanding i'm i'm like you know, not 100, percent, but I'm pretty sure that it, there used to be more female directors, and then as um, certainly sound came in and stuff, that it kind of changed um, over over time. Um, because funnily enough, directors tend to be the ones with the power um, and misogyny. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> but and even Hearing now, the patriarchy. <laughs> even now, like, how hard is it to be a female director and get any kind of notoriety, any kind of uh, success? And, and accolades um you know yeah it's still a challenge even today and which is ridiculous um and then you put other marginalized labels on top of that exactly so you're female
0: you're queer you're black
1: like it's just exactly it's, there's so many things that you know can stop you having the opportunities that your talent deserves yeah um, and your voice
0: deserves like there's so many important deserves... stories that well, on told how many told.
1: how many stories are we not hearing because we're not giving the right people or the right communities the microphone to actually stand up and be able to say it
0: absolutely the, the less, <laughs> like we should all be
1: or not allowing up. not allowing them to find their own fucking microphone and pick it up and shout at everyone because well, we're watching them because as soon as they, they pick down. up
0: a microphone we s- shit on it like <laughs> oh, it's... Not, literally well no <laughs> <laughs> but, but like the very vivid image (laughs) (laughs) but it's so true though it's it's like i've always been the sort of person who has uh, like not been very confident in my own voice even though i think i have stuff to say and so i haven't necessarily been the person to stand up but i would like to be if i was more confident but there are people out there who are more confident who have a voice who want to stand up And we are, as a society, hiding them.
1: Yeah. Or not giving them the opportunities.
0: Yeah. Or just not listening.
1: Or not listening to what they're saying.
0: So people might be like in, in their specific community might be hearing that, but we're not letting that go out of that community and we are missing out on so much power and so much truth and so much art and so much important information because we we are all stuck in this bigoted society
1: yeah it's kind of depressing when you think about it isn't it (laughs) yeah really it's good choice for this week so far (laughs) but but that's the thing even though the topics that are being brought up are kind of depressing when you think about the fact that it's still relevant today we're still not you know having conversations about some of these issues that she's bringing up in this in this film it's still a really empowering film. It's still a a very hopeful film, especially because like when you get to the end of the credits, it even says, you know, the watermelon woman is fictional. Sometimes you've got to create your own history. So the fact that even if you can't find it, that the desire to be seen is so strong that sometimes you've got to create your own version of it just to see yourself. And sometimes you have to be the person to be that history for somebody else because i mean even now but surely in the future even more so um this film is going to be important for presumably young black queer women um even more so than for the you know queer community and ho- as a whole because it's going to show perhaps somebody who's who's similar to them or
0: yeah and and i think the fact that that this film was made in a way that it is kind of a comedy um oh yeah like it's it's not heavy it's not funny i mean it's it is funny it's not heavy it's not like depressing which those films are so important the films that show you the trauma are so mm. important but so are the films that don't necessarily show all of the trauma and are yeah. more like the comedic day-to-day life and i think this film does that really well where it obviously has the history of trauma there um in the fact that this the watermelon woman was erased from history and people are denying her existence her her relevance her her relationship her love like people are just not aware of her and that 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 is trauma in itself that your history is completely like abolished by people but the fact that they did this in like a comedic way yeah but not as a comedy it's like just a light film and yeah
1: i think the tone is very light and i think the conversations are not and you can have that kind of juxtaposition going on there because the exploration of cheryl's life very much mimics some of the things that she's exploring through Faye Richards, you know, she also has a relationship with... An interracial
0: gay relationship, yeah. Exactly,
1: and and is, you know, confronted with how that is sometimes treated by other people in her life um, and the difficulties that that can sometimes have. Um, And so there's these these parallels between her and Faye Richards, which is also interesting to explore and she also is exploring her own identity and she's also rocking some amazing outfits for the very 90s but i loved it It,
0: it, it's that whole life imitating art art imitating life whole debate like they've got they've got this woman who cheryl has seen and doesn't know why she's so attracted to her and yet this woman the watermelon woman is so much like her in so many ways and yeah. is going through a lot of the same things just a few decades beforehand and even though that wasn't necessarily shown on screen to her cheryl has through digging a lot of digging found that representation that she mm. probably needed because we need to be able to see ourselves
1: yeah yeah definitely I think yeah she's she's able to she's able to find herself through the story that she's uncovering and I also yeah. think it's interesting that she's so fascinated about uncovering this history and yet there are other people in her life who also could very much see themselves in the story of Faye Richards who are not interested and yes. that also shows you know the fact that even when it's there even if we can find it even if you can explore it not everybody wants to preserve history. Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't make a judgment about that. Um, and in many ways, like the this the, the character that is her friend, one of her best friends, she um, is very much like a lot of the comic relief. But yes. she very much, but she also questions Cheryl on what she's doing. Um, and I think it's kind of just interesting to highlight that not everyone is supportive about unearthing history. Yeah, and I mean... Even when it comes from within, within the same supposed community, that, yeah, it, that uh, history like, reflects.
0: Which I also thought was interesting that they showed the different um, ways that people don't want history unearthed. Like from her, the friend's point of view, mm. where she's just like, no, I'm going to go out with my girlfriend and I'm going to live my life because the people that came before us have got it to the point that we are now, so I can mm. enjoy my life now. And obviously, going forward, it's going to hopefully just improve. Whereas, whereas Cheryl's obviously like wanting to look back and see the people who paved the way. Um, And then you've got the sister of the watermelon, uh, sorry, of the watermelon woman's like girlfriend who wants to not remember history the way it was through. I assume self-preservation in not wanting to see her sister in a way that she deems not the way that her sister should live. Yeah,
1: or at the very least having very perhaps old-fashioned beliefs and ideals that hopefully nowadays are not so prevalent. But this idea that she wouldn't want her, her sister to be seen in as what she would probably have deemed as being somewhat perverted, you know, n- not normal in her eyes.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think that they, the film did that really well where they showed all of these... They They really gave voice to... All different sides mm.
1: um,
0: and whether you agree with that voice or not it, this this film showed their voices and gave them a voice and you weren't it wasn't like they put anyone as the villain
1: oh no no it was just exploring those ideas there was yeah, no I... there was no tone shift in tone or no kind of ominous feeling about people you might not like them for what they're saying yes. perhaps but it is just showing another side or another reaction to, you know, the place of queer people of colour in history. Yeah. Or just queer I people. Think,
0: I think that a lot of like obviously I know documentaries are one sided because it's from the the point of view of the filmmaker and it you can change a lot in the edit and you can whatever. But um I think that the the fact that this film was done docu style mm. gave them that freedom to have all of the different voices in a non-judgmental way because you didn't need to create these characters to fill a villain hole you yeah. just you just had these characters who were being authentic and real mm. and then you just got to step away from that when they stopped filming them
1: yeah so it wasn't oh, yeah, like definitely. they were
0: so intertwined with the characters that you needed them to you didn't need a reason for them to be there to affect the character you just needed to hear their voice yeah uh, and see their point of view and i think that that is one thing documentaries have the ability to do and this film being uh uh like a feature film fictional feature film in which has a documentary style inside of it
1: yes it's quite complicated yeah
0: (laughs) but it gave it such freedom to create this world where people could say things that you don't necessarily agree with, but it doesn't affect the characters that you are necessarily following. Yeah, it
1: just highlights perhaps why history has been told in a certain way is because yeah. of people like that person.
0: Yeah, and why it's so important to yeah. unearth this history.
1: Mm, exactly. Exactly. But yeah,
0: then you're not anti the person who doesn't want to unearth it either. So it's not done in that way mm. where you're meant to be against anyone. And I just I thought that was a fascinating way to tell this very important story without it being like shoved down your throats. Like you, you mm. come to your own conclusion, but it guides you. I mean, same as yeah. any documentary or any film, really, to be honest. But yeah, I thought it was... I thought it was very well done and I, th- I very much enjoyed the docu-style of it.
1: Yeah, I think the docu-style made it more raw and real and seem more kind of rooted in reality, even though it is a piece of fiction.
0: Yes, also I think it, it helped with the fact that it was a lower budget film.
1: Yes, this was made for $300,000, which yes. is amazing. I mean, you can kind of see that in yes. certain, some ways. But like at the same time, it's not, it doesn't seem that low budget. It just seems indie.
0: It seems, it seems very indie. It does. Uh, It it also, the fact that it was, it had one nighttime shot and the rest was all shot in the day. Was like, you're like, okay, so they didn't spend the budget on lighting. Um, Yeah. But.
1: And like, there were a few like random filler scenes of them like dancing on a roof and things like that, which don't really have. A huge amount to do with the plot or anything. It's very no, cheap to do,
0: but I kind of loved that it showed this like black queer joy in these oh, moments yeah. where they're their friendship, yeah, and they're 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 discussing these like really heavy topics, whether it be from the watermelon woman or whether it be from their own at at this time relationships, where one of them wants to just hang out with their girlfriend and go and have a drink and have a smoke, uh, and the other one is dating a white woman who the like the others aren't very like on board with and she also wants to go off and make this movie um and it, it creates this like tension between them but then it shows this this other side of their joy of their of their friendship of their relationship yeah. of just of just living and being in the moment uh which you don't get to see a huge amount yeah. in queer or black films especially queer and black films, because mm-hmm. there's so much trauma and so much like history of violence to this day, still so much violence and hatred that goes on that those stories, which are so important to tell are the ones that are told. Whereas, yeah. so you don't get to see this like queer black joy that often.
1: It's just, it's, I just think it's a remarkable film. And I think if, if anybody has the opportunity to watch it, I would a hundred percent, um, encourage you to do so. It's also um, in a sweet spot of being under 90 minutes. Which oh, which uh, is one of your fave. I like. love like a 90 minute or even in, like an 80 minute film. You know, it's succinct. It gets its points across. I'm done. I'm not sat there for two out, two and a half hours needing the toilet. So <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. So this is, so allegedly, I've seen this in a couple of places on, uh, online, but apparently This is, like, recorded as being the first feature film directed by a black lesbian. Yes, I
0: saw that. I saw that a few places, and I was like, holy fucking shit.
1: But also, it took until 1995 to do this?
0: Well, I mean, firstly, (laughs) what a fucking travesty. Like, the amount of voices that could have been used and utilised before that time. I know. That were just never, were never given that opportunity or had that opportunity. Like I just it's just such a fucking shame. But also, what a fucking epic film to come out the gate with.
1: Yeah, exactly. And therefore obviously is is a landmark of queer cinema because um it obviously is important to kind of identify and celebrate those kind of accomplishments. Um,
0: Absolutely.
1: Apparently very recently in 2021, the film was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress for being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. So I'm really happy that a film that I would imagine a lot of people have not heard about is getting this recognition of being important because it's not just, oh, this is a film that was, happened to be made by, you know, the first black queer lesbian to make this film, whatever. That's a thing in itself, but the conversations that are happening in this film that are still, unfortunately, in many ways, relevant today, that's being noticed and kind of appreciated. Um, I very much, very much like that.
0: Absolutely. And I think that, so I know that obviously, having looked up about this before, and also I had heard of this film before, I just had it on my list. But I think when I heard about it was more, when it sort of started being talked about slightly more was when the whole like Black Lives Matter thing really came to a head and people started talking about needing to listen to black voices. See, I
1: um, kind of came across it more because it was on both Canopy and Mubi and I was yes. like, this film is following me around. I definitely should be watching <laughs> this. And it has a really... um a really kind of eye-catching uh, post like front cover or post oh it really does uh, yeah uh, it's like bright pink with um, uh, Cheryl with like yes. uh, a very kind of mammy hairdo and I think yes. headscarf on yes. um, and it's uh, just re- and, and she's like pulling a funny face and it's just really it's very 90s but it's also <laughs> uh, really um, eye-catching so yeah that well also-
0: absolutely it's so eye-catching we'll we'll put it up on our instagram uh yeah which is at, at heavenly features pod um so you can have a look because it's it's yeah it is very eye-catching like that poster alone should make you want
1: to watch it even i'd if... have that i'd have that poster on my wall oh my gosh yes of course i love it yeah and, um, absolutely I do kind of think that cheryl was stunning in this as well so <laughs> oh yes shaved head wearing yes. kind of You know, 90s shorts and bright coloured shirts and dungarees. Oh, I was loving it. Uh,
0: Firstly, love a dungaree. (laughs) Absolutely. Also, the fact that there was like two or like a few like butch women in this. And then there was people who identified as stone butch in Mm. this film. Alongside femmes and everyone else. Like it just really showed, it just showed
1: diverse community
0: yes exactly like which is what we are
1: yeah oh i love this film so much i really do encourage anybody to to see it if you can
0: yes and then of course also like it has Guinevere turner in who is like gay cinema icon like she has been in so much queer stuff like i mean including the l word But um, itty bitty titty committee, uh, go fish. So is she the the white girlfriend? Yes, 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 yes. Right. She's done a lot for queer cinema. Okay. Um,
1: So um, rounding it up then, um, I'm really glad that you enjoyed this one. Um, I didn't know whether you would or not, but I thought, you know, the aspiring filmmaker in you would probably quite enjoy that alone that so okay so there's
0: there's a scene in this film where she is cheryl is talking to the camera and she sits down and she says you know oh hey i'm cheryl i'm a filmmaker and then she goes oh i'm not a filmmaker like i'm an aspiring filmmaker um and it talks about how she wants to make a film but she she doesn't know what she wants to make a film about mm. and i was like oh i feel seen hello like because i have so many things I have so many things in my brain that I'm like this 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 and the 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 main inspiring thing about this film for me personally I mean there was a shit ton of inspiring things but for me it was the fact that she just went this I'm just going to do this to start with yeah like I'm just going to chase this story I'm just going to go after this I was like oh yeah I forgot that you can just do that like I I cuz I get so in my own head and, and that, like the the character
1: did that, but also obviously, Cheryl Dunyade also did that with this film.
0: Exactly, it's like a double whammy of inspiration
1: <laughs> from both Cheryl's.
0: Like, yeah. it's Love just, um, I just, yeah, I just think that, like, I have such a habit of getting in my head of, of oh, no one's going to want to hear what I have to say, or I don't have anything to say that that is of note, or. What if I don't have all of the information about this? I get so in my own head that I end up not saying a fucking thing. Yeah. And, and she I just guess... went out and she went, I don't know what I'm going to say. or oh, I found something to talk about. I'm going to fucking say it. Here's I'm my
1: voice. I'm just going to see where it goes, but I'll, I'll put my own voice into this. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it, she came out with this. Like, fucking Brilliant. incredible. Yeah. So I, I just, yeah, I, I found it very inspiring and very motivating yeah and also and hopeful hopeful yeah so fucking hopeful but also at the same time looking at how little we have how much we've changed but how little we have in the same breath and how much more we need to do which then is also in itself inspiring like it's, yeah, it's awful a, it's, but a it's, exactly. it's a motivator exactly so yeah. this yeah anyone to be to be honest anyone like uh, uh, as you know i'm i'm like a, a wannabe filmmaker and a uh, writer and god knows what else but anyone else who wants to do anything
1: creative creative
0: at all should watch this film even if they get nothing else from it which they fucking should but even if they get nothing else from it then you can get up and just do it yeah like then it's fucking worth it
1: it's a great film it is a great film so now it comes to uh, you and your choice for next week. What are you going to recommend that we watch next week, Kim? Okay. So
0: speaking of being inspired by this film, okay. Uh, like, okay, I'm a big fan of documentaries. I I love a good documentary. Uh, And this film being documentary style made me really want to watch a documentary. Um, okay. and, and I get very much in my own head and, and get fixed on certain things so obviously, when this was docu style, I went. Well, I can't think of any other film other than a documentary right now. Um, so uh, I have chosen for next week Circus of
1: Books. Circus of Books. I haven't so, heard of it.
0: Oh, okay. So it's a documentary about a gay bookshop, in uh, like a
1: gay porno bookshop. That's all I'm going to tell you about it.
0: It's very I mean, historical. It's very.
1: It's. It's. I love. I love queer stuff and I love books. I'm not so into the porno. But I'm intrigued. Cool. I'm looking forward I'm to excited. it. Excited. Me too. I haven't too. seen it before. So, and also we haven't done a doc. We haven't done a documentary before. So that should be interesting as well. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited to see what what the fuck either of us say about it. Um, it
1: should be interesting. <laughs> but again,
0: it's very queer. So you know, we'll. I'm sure we'll find say. It's lot a running theme,
1: isn't it? Running theme. <laughs> But yeah, so if you uh, want to let us know what you thought of this film of the Watermelon Woman, please do let us know. Um, you can email us at heavenlyfeaturespod at, at gmail.com, um, yep. or you could leave us a message like a you could DM us, or you could leave us a comment. We really love to we really love to hear uh, what you thought of this film and uh, maybe anything you think about the film coming up next week as well. Yeah,
0: absolutely, and do feel free to send any film suggestions our way uh, in either of those ways. Oh yeah, um, we would love to to have some suggestions come away. Now, don't get me wrong; both Sophie and I have a long list that we are working from, but we are more than happy to slide in some suggestions.
1: Definitely, because um, I think it's very easy to get kind of caught up in your own taste and your own kind of world. So it's gonna it be. Interesting. Are you talking about
0: the nineteen forties again?
1: <laughs> hey. <laughs> I may have been I was not in the 1940s this time. I chose a film from the 1990s about the 1930s. So, <laughs> excuse me. Um <laughs> but uh yeah, I think it's good to get outside of your comfort zone and try new things. So, any recommendations would be very much appreciated.
0: Absolutely. That's actually one of my favorite things about us doing this is films that I either have had on my list but procrastinated on or films that have never been on my list mm. have come up in this and I've sat down and watched them and no matter whether I've really enjoyed the film or not there's always something you can take from watching a film like yeah regardless of what it is so that's one thing I've really liked is is being taken out of my my normal routine of what films I watch yeah definitely and being thrown into different genres or different eras or whatever it is and I just think I think expanding your your knowledge or your like world is never a bad thing.
1: No, well, I mean, it's the point of the podcast, really, isn't it? Exactly. I mean, I mean,
0: if we want to go all philosophical, that's kind of the point of life.
1: Well, yeah, definitely. But this is forcing <laughs> us to actually do it. <laughs> exactly, because we are both so, procrastinators. <laughs> definitely. Uh, so on that note, uh, we are going to go off and procrastinate um, <laughs> and we will um, see you next time. Yeah, see you next time for uh,
0: circuit of Books. Have a good one.
1: Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Please remember to rate, review and subscribe. And you can follow us on Instagram at Heavenly Features Pod. You can
0: also email us at heavenlyfeaturespod at gmail.com.
1: And you can also find us at 18maidenlane.com.
0: Thanks for listening.
1: Bye. This podcast
0: was brought to you by 18 Maiden Lane Productions.